I'll get to John 17 in just a minute. We've been, uh, for most of the year, as we've been just focusing upon building on the rock, um, walking through Jesus' famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, all the details uh, surrounding that. And uh, we're still learning how to live that, right? And with God's help, we're improving and becoming better and better. But uh, we're reminded of Matthew's gospel where this sermon's found that uh, Matthew first introduces us to the person of the king, Jesus Christ. And from there, he shows us the principles of the king, which we looked at in the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, begins to reveal the power of the king. And then recently, most recently, we talked about the passion of the king. Aren't you glad that God loves us, that he came and, uh, to seek and save those that were lost, right, which is what we were. And uh, thank God for his passion that he didn't give up, he didn't quit. Um, that he was ready to lay down it all for you and for me. You know what? God really loves you. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them, let them know, God really loves you. Really, really. Amen? And so all of these areas, all four of them, encompass what it means to live life on the rock. And, and I think that's what I want to talk about this morning, how I would say that, is life on the rock. What is life on the rock? It's, it's life with Jesus Christ. It's life walking with the Lord. Amen? Knowing God, knowing Christ, who is the cornerstone. And uh, it all begins, it all begins with and is sustained through Knowing Him personally. Knowing God personally. Uh, do, you, do you know Him personally? I pray that you do. If not, you can, as I already said, uh, you know that before this service ends, that if you don't know Him, you can. And now I want us to read there. Look at, at 17 of John, 17th chapter of John, and look at verse 3 and what it says. It says, now this is eternal life. What's eternal life? That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life that we can know God. It's all about knowing the Lord, about knowing the Lord, knowing Him personally. That we can know Him, and we can know Him because God sent His Son. And how many you know that's the good news? Right? Behold, I share good, good news to you, right? Behold, a, a Savior is born to you this day, Christ the Lord. That's the good news. And God has come to us. And here's some of the things about, about knowing God. Here, here's some Basic things about us coming to know God. Understand this, that you and I come to know God because He first comes to us. It's God who makes the first move. All right? And as I said before, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. And we remember that passage in, in Matthew 16 and where Jesus is asking the disciples who he is, so on and so forth. 
And uh, Peter, they're giving all kinds of answers. And then Peter says what? He says, thou art the Christ. That's right, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona, because no one has revealed this to you. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. It's God who makes the move. It's God. Who can remember? Can you remember the time, the moment, or moments when God began to speak to you? He began to speak to your heart. He began to reveal himself to you. How many can remember? How many of you remember the place where that was at? Some of the places. I, I, I just want to hear just so that we all know and understand various ways and places that God began to speak to us. And just, just in a brief word or two, where, where was it? Where were some places that God began to show himself to you? Sorry? Where was it? All right. It was so obviously in a church. God, God will meet us in the church. He'll begin to speak to us there. What's some other places? What's some other spots? At home, at church, at home, at work, somebody had at school, through a teacher. What was that? A hair salon? Hey, gave your heart to the Lord at a hair salon? A school? Where else? What's some other places? What was that? All right. In a, in a band. And it, JD was playing in a band. Not a Christian band. One of those honky-tonk band. <laughs> right? Country bands. But God found him there. Oh, somebody else said something. Where else? Hospitals. Yes. Through a Gideon Bible. So in a, in a hotel. In the penitentiary. In a factory. Folks. God comes seeking us wherever we are. He comes seeking the Where's the lost? All over. Amen? You find the lost from the church house to the jailhouse and everything in between. Amen? And God knows where you are. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows what you've done. He knows what I've done. He knows our sins, our failures, our past. But he's come to redeem it all, to forgive it all, to wash it all away, and to give us life and life to the whole. Right? But it all it all began with God. God began to seek us. He began to, to seek us out and to find us. He comes to seek and to save. You know, whether it was the disciples in their various places as they were fishing, whether it was the woman at the well, whether it was Paul as he was on the road to Damascus to persecute the church, to persecute Christians, or whether it was the Ethiopian official out on some random desert road, God found them. It was God that went seeking them. How do you know God is still seeking people? He's still looking. He's still finding. And whether God uses you to speak to somebody at a, at a, at a uh, place where they're, they're singing <laughs> and doing things that are not, you know, churchy, <laughs> right? God's there or whether it's some God moving through somebody who's locked behind a cell, God is there. How many know God can penetrate any area, any place, any time? God can move. Aren't you glad for that? Come on, give God a hand. Amen. God's still moving. He's finding us. 
we come to know God, when we come to know God, it's not like at birth. We don't come to God, we don't come to God head first. It's not that way. We come to God heart first. Jeremiah says, You will sit when you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. In Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We don't begin to profess our faith, at least it wouldn't be genuine, until there's already been a work that's been done in our heart, that we believe in our heart, that God has convinced us in our heart. And, and folks, we're living in a day that's become here in the Western world is so intellectual, everything's scientific, everything has to be proven. And uh, scientists, everybody's trying to go after God, trying to prove God, trying to understand God, trying to figure God out, and you can't do it. you got to come to God heart first, not head first. I remember my pastor would say numerous times, a lot of people are going to miss heaven because they have God in their head, but they don't have Him in their heart. you got to come to God heart first when He's in your heart. And you receive them, you just know. How many of you remember that? They used to testify back in the day. I'm glad that I know that I know that I know that I know. How do you know? You just know. Amen. I was sharing here, a, I don't know, a week or two ago on a Wednesday night, just one of the things about knowing. You know, it's kind of like when the, you, 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 uh, you're in that time in life where you maybe you're going to you feel like you're going to be married and, and you're, you're looking and waiting and saying, God, when are you going to bring that one, you know? And, uh, you know, after numerous people had come by, finally one day in church, <laughs> um, all of a sudden I see on the second row a young lady dressed in yellow and, um, and I just knew. She was going to be the one, and she was. Amen. I looked at the old pastor. I said, you don't know the story. I said, I believe she could set me free. And yeah, amen. <laughs> how do you know? I mean, how, some of you know what I'm talking about. When you met that person, you just knew. How do you know? You, I don't know. How do you explain it? I don't know. You just know. And the other ones, there wasn't any confirmation there. But when you met the right one, you know. I want, to know, I want you to know that even more than that, when you meet God, you just know. God begins to deal with you. He speaks to your heart. You just know. How do you prove it? You can't prove it to anybody. Just try him. Reach out to him. Amen? There's something in your heart. And some of you, you don't know God right now. There's something inside. All of a sudden, there's a stirring in your heart. Right now, there's a moving and there's questioning. And, and you're feeling something. And you can't explain it. But something's going on. And if you don't know God right now, that's what's happening. Who is it? It's God. He's in this room. He's in this house. And He cares about you. He loves you. And He's, and he's moving upon you. Let him, let him touch you. Let Him touch you. Amen? He comes after us. He begins to move upon our heart. And we need revelation whereby we know God. I ask again, do you know Him? Do you know Him? Though He's God, He comes humbly. You know, just as we read in the first of Matthew, when we're introduced to the Lord, how did Jesus come? He came into this world as a humble baby. God, God could have had Jesus come in any kind of way. I mean, He, he could have just, you know, there, there could have been this incredible storm and wind and everything, you know, and all of a sudden, 
puts him here on the highest mountain or in the most uh, famous city or whatever, you know, something spectacular, but that's not how God did it. He sent him in the, in the form of a humble child. And aren't you glad that God comes humbly to us, right? He comes to us willingly. He comes to us lovingly. As I said before, there's, there's no way for us to really, we try, but we really can't grasp on our best day just how great God's love for us really is. Richard Halverson, former chaplain of the, of the U.S. Senate, said this. He said, I want you to listen. Listen. You listen? There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. His love is unconditional, impartial, everlasting, infinite, perfect. How do y'all believe that? You see, as far as but as far as he's concerned, it's already settled. He loves you. He cares about you. He's going after you. He loves you so much that he offered his own son. And he did that while you and I were still sinners in the worst state, in the most horrible places uh, in every way, right? Physically as well as spiritually, yeah? And he did that. He, he loves us. But that's just one side. How many know when you're dealing with a relationship, you understand there's two sides of the relationship? And no matter what one side does, the other side has to respond. And you can't make the relationship work unless both sides agree and come together. But like I said, well, you need to understand God's side. That there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more than He already does. You say, if I just do this and I do this and I live this way and I do that way. No, no, no. Remember, even the Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, the greatest people you want to think about. All right, God didn't love them more after they did decades of work. He didn't love them more. He loved them while they were still sinners. And He loved them the same. Amen? And so God's side is settled. The only thing that remains is our response to Him. My response to His love. Your response to His love. What will you do with that? And that's why when people, if people choose to be separated from God forever, it's because they chose not to love Him here. They, they said, no, I don't want you. I'm not going to live for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thank you, God, but no thanks. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live my own way. I'm going to try my way. I want to go after what I want to go after and dream my dream. And Instead, if you just surrender to God who loves you, let Him do all the amazing, wonderful things in and through your life. You see? For your sake and my sake, God came to us, and he came to us totally, completely. No one ever sacrificed like our Lord. No one could. For he alone is Lord. He alone had so much to lay aside. He alone had so much to offer. Nobody could offer us what our Lord did. Amen? Do you know him? used to sing the song, Knowing You, Jesus, Knowing You. There is no greater thing.
you're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. You remember that? Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing, do you know him? Look at your neighbor and ask, do you know him? How do you come to really know somebody? Spend time? Spend time? Anybody else? Yeah? How many agree with that? You come to know somebody by spending time with them. Right? You can't, (laughs) you can't, you can't buy it. You can't borrow it. You can't steal it. You have to develop it, a relationship with somebody. Amen? And, uh, and I tell you, my wife and I will soon be married. In, in September, we'll be married 36 years. Amen. Yeah, give her a hand. Amen. <laughs> and I know her. I thought I knew her when we got married. But I really know her now. That's why. That's why in the in the dating relationship. That's why there's um, or as you're leading up to marriage. That's why there's this practice of having an engagement. Um, the dating and engagement time is really to help you to get to know each other, so that. You are aware of one another's true life and who you really are. How many? How many of you know you really? You really don't know the person on the first date. I knew I wanted to marry her, but I didn't know her. <laughs> I knew she was gorgeous. I knew she was talented, and all of that. But I didn't know her. You know, you don't really know somebody. What do you do, Rusty, when you went on the first date? I mean, and was it just, and you dress up real nice, wear your nicest outfit, right? Great, ah, great, yeah, great, nice restaurant. And your breath, you you make sure your breath's good, you know, all the, the mints and the spray, Everything's great, your teeth, you got everything manicured and the hair and everything's good. And you, you got the, you know, you ladies, y'all dressed up and you got, you know, Chanel number five and all that, you know. <laughs> and man, you're nice. And, and if you're smart guys, you're opening the door for her. And man, you, you're just putting the best foot forward. Come on, y'all with me? really know them no you got to live life a little bit you got to go through the experiences you see some rough things happen you know something just you know somebody's in a bad mood they woke up tired you know some things don't go right you see them go through some hardship and you learn more about who they are you see them go through 
things that are controversial or whatever. I remember, I remember years ago, I remember it was uh, Charles Hackett, one of our former executives in our, in our movement. And he said, try never to hire anyone until you've had conflict with them. Because then you'll, then you'll know whether or not they respond to you in the fruit of the Spirit. Well, you can't always do that. <laughs> but I'm talking about knowing somebody. How do you know somebody? You know somebody by spending time with them. Lots of time. And so you spend lots of time with somebody and you, you get to know them. And, you, and in the marriage, uh, you get to know them and you commit and, and then you let God continue to grow you both and you together help each other to become more like Jesus Christ and you encourage one another in the walk. And, and, and how are you glad when you're, when you're married to somebody who's committed to become like Jesus? That's a good thing, right? It's not always easy, but it's good. The result's going to be good, but you know him. You know her. You know, Moses, when you look at the people in the Bible that you see that we're really close to God, you see people who love to spend a lot of time with the Lord. And you find Moses spending a lot of time with God, talking with God, communing with God, desiring more of God. And he said, Lord, he even got to the point, he said, Lord, show me your glory. And, you know, God even blessed him. He said, I'm going to show you a part of me. He said, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. And you're going to see me, you're going to see me, my glory pass by, right? You remember and, and David, I mean, David's whole life was in pursuit of God, longing after God, hungering after God, thirsting after God, desiring to be in God's house, in God's presence. He never cherished anything any more than that. Paul said this, Apostle Paul said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. The Apostle Paul, after all those years, everything he did, he said, I want to know Christ, yes, to know Him in the power of His resurrection, to know Him in the fellowship of His suffering. In all these things, did you know that we, that we come to know God more even in the tough times than we do in the good times? But isn't it something that when the tough times come, I don't know about you, but that's how I deal with it. When the tough times come, I'm praying for them to quickly leave. Amen. Just to leave as soon as you got here. How many of you all with me on? How many of you agree with the same thing? I want to go once we're... And so many times we're praying, we're trying to pray out of our life the very thing that we need in our life to draw us closer to God and help Him know Him, know Him more. Now, thank God for the things that we can enjoy in God and we seek God and we pray and God sends a quick answer and all of that. And we have those testimonies. Man, I prayed and God answered and we're glad for that. But how do you know those, those other times when God puts us through those things and puts us through the trials? Why? For the trying of our faith, the testing of our faith, the strengthening of our faith so that we stand can stand stronger and we glorify Him. Do you remember that it was Job's faith that was brought to the forefront, that was being questioned by Satan himself because, because uh, God said when Satan came before him and uh, he says, have you considered my servant Job? And he said, yes, I have. 
And God said, what an incredible man he is. He said, well, of course he is. Because you bless everything that he puts his hand to. Right? But you withdraw your hand. In other words, you let him go through some tough times. And let's just see what kind of guy he really is. And you know, sometimes when God allows the enemy to move in our life, might be a testing and an opportunity for us to show <laughs> to show the Lord, to show the world, and show the devil just what we're really made of. And so if you're going through one of those tough times, listen to me because I'm talking to somebody here. You're going through one of those tough times. Let it be a time of really knowing. In spite of what happens or what, how things may look, you keep in mind of the amazing, infinite, unending love of God in the midst of this and say, God, I don't, I, help me to see what you're doing. But Lord, until you show me, help me to trust you and to have faith. And just to believe, I encourage you, friend, to stand faith and to stand to stand strong and to keep the faith, and keep trusting God and let God reveal Himself even more. Amen. Job knew God a whole lot more after that time than he did before, and so will you. None of us maybe really enjoy that, except. Crazy people like Paul, I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. You know, and Paul prayed that, you know, but he understood. Maybe we can get there one day. But I want to know him. But I want you to know that wherever it is that that God, how many you know the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord? And whatever it is that God permits you to go, he's right there in the middle of you. Do you know that? He's, he's right there in the middle of it. How many of y'all believe that? You know that. How do you believe that in a storm, he's still there? That in a desert, God's still there? Moses could tell you about it. That in the lion's den, he's still there? That in the fiery furnace, he's still there? That on the battlefield facing giants, that God's still there? That in the middle of trial, he's still there? That whether you're locked up in prison, he's still there. And Paul and Silas at the midnight hour could begin to sing praises unto God. Why? Because they knew that God was still there. And they were not there. They were not in prison because of any wrongdoing. They were in prison for standing up for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you look through Scripture and over and over, can you see a time where God has not been there? Where He has abandoned them? No. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But God is there for you. And through those times, whatever times, the, the good times, but also the tough times and the bad times, if you want to say that, our God is still there. He's, he, there's times of testing, but in this, you can know Him. And you're going to know Him, and you're spending time with Him. And you acknowledge His presence. Everybody here, and I'm going to have Lori and, and those that are going to be assisting her to come. And because I, I want to allow time. 
for us to respond this morning. Every one of you here said, how do you get to know somebody? By spending time. Right? By spending time. Have you been spending time with the Lord this week? You know, it's great to, we, we can get away. Man, one of the great things about going to camp is there's, there's no job. <laughs> there's no distractions. I don't know if they allow you to have cell phones or not. Do they take those or let them keep them, whatever? I'm going to tell you. What's that? There's no service there anyway, yeah. But one of the things is, boy, there's, 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 there's no distraction. You're there, and, and you can just spend time in God's presence. And, folks, we have those times when we have weeks, when we have week of prayer, and we come and we spend, you know, an hour or two each night through the week, and there's everything else is being pushed aside, and there's time. It, you ever notice how much closer we feel? Right? How much stronger we closer? Why? Because we're taking the time. But man, are we not battling today with that peace, with the whole time issue? Who would be honest here and say you battle constant distractions when you're trying to get away and be with the Lord and just spend time? And that's what I want us to do this morning, what God wants us to do. I just want you to listen. I don't know what's ahead. I don't know what the future is. But I know one thing. As long as we've got God, really, we've got what we need. But I encourage myself and I encourage you, let's continually commit time to the Lord and guard that 